Who are the people God blesses? The biblical answer will probably surprise you. Next on Daily in Christ. Hello once again. I'm Mark Van Oos, and it's a great joy to gather with you as we seek the Lord and we desire to know Him through the Word, through the Bible, through the Spirit. And this is Daily in Christ. Sometimes people ask me, well, Daily in Christ, does that mean that you have a new podcast every day? No, it's once a week. Uh, but the idea of Daily in Christ is our daily walk in Christ. It's the daily walk by God's grace through faith in Christ. And that's really key. That's really important. We have been in the midst of an extended series, Hebrews, the glory of the new covenant. And as we're in Hebrews chapter 11, which of course is a great chapter on the subject of faith, we've broken this larger series section into a sub-series called the just shall live by faith. That's what the Bible says in Habakkuk 2.4, in Romans 1.17, in Hebrews 10.38, and in Galatians 3.11. The just shall live by faith. Now, it's so easy for us to look at uh, the elements of the Christian life, if you will, like faith, and it's in our unrenewed thinking to forget about the Lord, to get focused on the subject of faith and not caught up and taken up with the Lord. So to get our focus back on the Lord and not on ourselves and not on faith, I want to bring to you Romans chapter 11, verse 36. Listen to this. This is one of my favorite verses in all of the Bible. For of him and through him and to him are all things, to whom be glory forever. Amen. First of all, it says, for of him, all that is good is of God. And in Romans chapter 1, verse 17, we see a righteousness of God. So all that is good is something that is of God himself, not from him, but of him. God in his essence, in his being, in his person is good, is holy, is righteous, is pure, is healing, is provision, is righteousness, and everything more that we could want. Sanctification for of him and through him. God is not only the source, he himself, but he is also the means. He is, you know, we in our fallen thinking get caught up in methodologies. No, through him. So God is also the means and to him, God is the great end. So for of him and through him and to him are all things to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. Remember that if you want to glorify God, then this verse, Romans eleven thirty six, is key. God is the source God is the means, God is the great end. For of him and through him and to him are all things to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. Now, we are we have gone through several in this mini-series of The Just Shall Live by Faith, and I want to continually bring to our thinking what the Lord brought to my thinking as I was getting into this aspect of the study. Now, this is the third time that I have personally taught 
uh, formally taught the book of Hebrews. The first time was in a Bible study that I led uh, back in 2009. The second time was in a uh, Sunday school class in our church. And now this particular one is the most extensive one. It is on the Daily and uh, Daily in Christ podcast. Uh, this is actually the 37th part of uh, our study in Hebrews. And as I went into Hebrews chapter 11, a chapter that I have personally also called, along with other people, the Faith Hall of Fame, I no longer call it that. Because as I went into Hebrews chapter 11, I laid down any preconceived notions that I had on the subject of faith and on the subject of Hebrews chapter 11. And I just went to the Lord with a a blank slate as it was, an empty canvas. And I said, Father, through the word, through the spirit, teach me, show me, bring me um, insight into Hebrews chapter 11. And the very first thing the Lord brought to my mind was this fact. Hebrews chapter 11 has a context of Hebrews itself. And what is Hebrews all about? Is it about us and how good we are and and our righteousness? No. The book of Hebrews is about Jesus. Perfect son, perfect high priest, perfect sacrifice, perfect reigning king, and his finished work with perfect obedience to the Father all of the time from the heart suffering with perfect suffering, dying a perfect death, bleeding with perfect blood, sacrificing perfectly, dying perfectly, and then rising perfectly. And now he is perfectly ruling at the Father's right hand. This is the reality and the glory of Hebrews itself the Lord Jesus himself. So that's so important. But so often we look at Hebrews chapter 11 out of the context of the rest of Hebrews. And the result is that we get some strange understanding of faith. But you see, Hebrews chapter 11 is in the book of Hebrews. I mean, that should be obvious, right? And the centeredness is not how big our faith is. The centeredness is not how good we do faith. The centeredness of Hebrews chapter 11, is Christ himself. That's why we've been going back into the book of Romans that really gets down to this subject of faith, I believe, in a more significant way than here in Hebrews chapter 11. And it also links up the idea of righteousness by faith. It also provides us with an in-depth understanding of the faith of Abraham. Now, Abraham, in Hebrews chapter 11, occupies a huge amount of that entire chapter. And in the book of Hebrews, Abraham's faith is delved in in a certain depth and level. However, it's really in Romans chapter 4 that we get into, well, what was it about the faith of Abraham that was so notable that God points to it as the righteousness of faith. Last time we were in Romans chapter 3, and what an important context that we had there in Romans chapter 3, picking up in verse 21 where it says, But now the righteousness of God, apart from the law, 
is revealed, being witnessed by the law and the prophets, even the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ to all and on all who believe. For there is no difference, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God set forth as a propitiation by his blood through faith to demonstrate his righteousness, because in his forbearance, God had passed over the sins that were previously committed to demonstrate at the present time his righteousness, that he might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. Now, did you notice how many times the idea of the righteousness of God is brought up? This is not a righteousness dispensed by God, but this righteousness is part and parcel of God himself. And this righteousness is received by faith in Christ. We went into quite a bit of depth on this in the last uh, episode. If you missed that, be sure to get it. There's a lot of really good things. Well, we need to move forward because a very important principle is going to come in focus beginning in Romans chapter 3, verse 27. It says, where is boasting then? It is excluded by what law of works? No, but by the law of faith. Therefore, we conclude that a man is justified by faith apart from the deeds of the law. Or is he the God of the Jews only? Is he not also the God of the Gentiles? Yes, of the Gentiles also, since there is one God who will justify the circumcised by faith and the uncircumcised through faith. Do we then make void the law through faith? Certainly not. On the contrary, we establish the law. Well, the very first thing that comes up in verse 27 is this question, where is boasting then? And at first you might think, boasting? Why are we talking about boasting? Well, the connection between boasting and the idea is our boasting, that I'm so righteous, or I'm so good, or I'm so holy, but you see, boasting is excluded. Now, I want you to, to, to connect the dots with me that I believe the scripture connects as well. It says, by what law of works? No, but by the law of faith. So we can see when a person is relying upon the righteousness of law, which is really their own righteousness, if you could pull it off, you'd be boasting. God wouldn't get the glory you would get the glory. God wouldn't be seen as the righteous one. You would be seen as the righteous one. And that's the point when we see this righteousness of faith, that we have a fantastic standing before God the Father, the same as Jesus Christ, as we discussed in the scripture the last time, justified by faith apart from the deeds or the doings of the law then the boast, the glory, the credit goes not to ourselves, self-righteousness, but it goes where it belongs, to God himself. Remember the key principle that we brought out at the beginning of this lesson in Romans 11.36, where it says, for of him 
and through him and to him are all things. To him be glory forever and ever. Amen. God is glorified when he is recognized and depended upon as the one that he is, the source of all that is good, the means of all that is good, and the great end of all that is good. And so the scripture points contrary wise to the fact that the person who's relying upon the works of the law, that results in us being glorified. Well, that's idolatry. That is not smart. That is not wise. We are not God. God is God, and he alone deserves the boasting. He alone deserves the glory. So there's an important conclusion that's been brought up here. Verse 28, therefore, we conclude that a man is justified by faith apart from the deeds of the law. Now, this business of Jews and Gentiles, let me take a a little bit of a moment to talk about that. The Jews were the covenant people of God. They are the direct descendants of Abraham himself. And Jew literally means circumcised. Now, this goes beyond the physical act of circumcision. And a little bit later, uh, it'll talk about the meaning of it, that it's the sign of the righteousness of faith. And we're going to see how Abraham, the forefather of, of the Jews, of the circumcised. And God blessed Abraham with many blessings, and he promised to bless his posterity, his descendants, the Jews, for the ages to come. But here's something really interesting. Is he the God of the Jews only, the direct descendants of Abraham? Is he not also the God of the Gentiles? And the Gentiles are those who are not the descendants of Abraham. The blessing was pronounced to Abraham and to his descendants, not to the Gentiles. But we see something wonderful in the heart of God the Father to bring in Jew and Gentile, to bring in all. Yes, he is also the God of the Gentiles also, since there is one God who will justify the circumcised, speaking of the Jew, by faith, and the uncircumcised, speaking of the Gentile, through faith. You see, they're both brought into a right standing with God, having the same standing that Jesus has with his Father. Both Jew and Gentile have that same spectacular standing through faith. And then verse 21, do we then make void the law through faith? Certainly not. On the contrary, we establish the law. Now we can take that Uh, verse 31 on its own merit, and that can be a mistake out of a larger context, especially the context of Hebrews. And right now, back to Hebrews chapter 10, verses 8 through 10, it says, previously saying, sacrifice and offering, burnt offering and offerings for sin you did not desire, nor had pleasure in them, which are offered according to the law. Listen to this. This is Jesus. Then he said, behold, I have come to do your will, O God. He takes away the first. That refers to the covenant of law. 
that he may establish the second. That's the new covenant of grace. By that will, we have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. Now, someone could hear this in Romans 331, that uh, do we make void the law through faith? Certainly not. On the contrary, we establish the law and somehow come up with a false notion that the Christian has something to do with the law. No, they have nothing to do with the law because the law has been fulfilled. It was an inferior, weak covenant, and that came up over and over again in our in the book of Hebrews and certainly came out in our study. The greater covenant is the new covenant of grace where Jesus is the fulfilling Jesus is the reality Jesus is the center he is the one who said to God the Father behold I have come to do your will O God he takes away the first the covenant of law that he may establish or the Greek literally means cause to stand the second now here's something mind-blowing God's answer for righteousness, God's answer for purity, God's answer for holiness, and all that is good in our lives is another person altogether, the Lord Jesus Christ. And where is Jesus? Away out there somewhere? No. Jesus is inside of us through the Holy Spirit. Did you catch that? As it says in Colossians 1.28, Christ in you, the hope of glory. And so Christ himself is our righteousness. 1 Corinthians 1.30 says, Of God are ye in Christ, who has been made unto us wisdom from God and righteousness and sanctification and redemption, that as it is written, let him who glories glory in the Lord. God's solution for godly living is Christ alive inside of the believer. Let me say that again. God's solution for godly living is Christ alive inside the believer. He's living in us and he's living through us, would you believe it, as us. Not a bunch of cookie cutter copycats, but God always intended that he himself would be dwelling inside of us and living out through us in the uniqueness of the expression of who he has made us. This is the full manifestation of the life, the Christian life. The Christian life is not living like Christ. The, li- the Christian life is Christ alive inside of us. That's the difference. And that makes an infinite dif- difference. So Christ alive inside of us is the new law that's uh, brought out in uh, Romans chapter 8, verse 2, where it says, For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. For what the law could not do and that it was weak through the flesh, God did by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh on account of sin. He condemned sin in the flesh that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. So God himself 
in the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has indeed set us free from the law of sin and death. Take a moment, just let that soak in. The reality and the totality of Christ alive inside the believer. That's the heart of the new covenant. Well, we have to move forward into Romans chapter 4. And again, what is the nature of this faith that Abraham had that's mentioned so much in Hebrews chapter 11 that's so notable? Well, Beginning in verse 1, it says this, What then shall we say that Abraham our father has found according to the flesh? For if Abraham was justified by works, he has something to boast about. See that concept of law, works, and boasting? He has something to boast about, but not before God. For what does the scripture say? Abraham believed God. And it was accounted to him for righteousness. Now to him who works, the wages are not counted as grace, a gift, but as debt. So let's just stop right there. And the first principle that comes out is that Abraham himself was justified by faith. He believed God. That's what it says there in uh, Genesis chapter 15, verse 6. He believed God, and it was accounted to him for righteousness. That's key. He was justified by faith in Christ. And we can see the contrast between law and works on the one hand and Uh, grace, and faith on the other hand. On the law side, a person works and gets paid a wage. But on the faith and grace side, we see that it is a gift that is given. Now to him who works, the wages are not counted as grace, but debt. Now watch this, verse 5. Pay attention to to the subject of blessedness that comes here. But to him who does not work, but believes on him who justifies the ungodly, his faith is accounted to righteousness, for righteousness. Let me say that verse again. This is so key, so important. Listen very carefully to the word. Romans chapter 4, verse 5. But to him who does not work, does not work does not work, but believes on him who justifies the ungodly, his faith is accounted as righteousness. This reminds me of a conversation that Jesus had with the Jews, and this is found in John chapter 6, beginning in verse 28. Then they said to him, what shall we do that we may work the works of God? So they're coming with the, to the Lord with some degree of sincerity, and they're saying, Tell us, Jesus, what must we do? What must we do? See, that wrong focus is focused on them. What must we do that we may work the works of God? Now, think about that. That's kind of funny. You know, what must we do to work the works of God? This is the God who, with a word, creates the entire universe. This is a God who superintends galaxies, 
billions of them. This is the God who superintends uh, things on the subatomic level, works of God. What must we do to do the works of God? Who are we to be so brash? Anyway, Jesus answers in this way. Listen, Jesus answered and said to them, this is the work of God that you believe in him whom he sent. Let me say the words of Jesus again. This is in John chapter 6, verse 29. He answered and said unto them, This is the work of God, that you believe in him whom he sent. That's it. I think they were expecting Jesus to go through a long uh, discussion and oratory about uh, doing this and studying this and applying yourself to that. All he told them was one sentence and that's it. No more sentences, no more paragraphs, nothing more said. He was finished. This is the work of God that you believe in him whom he sends. Now let's go back to Romans chapter 4 verse 5. But to him who does not work, but believes on him who justifies the ungodly. That's exactly what John said. Uh, Jesus said over in John chapter 6. His faith is accounted for righteousness. Verse 6, just as David also describes the blessedness of the man to whom God imputes righteousness apart from works, blessed are those who lo- whose lawless deeds are forgiven and whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man to whom the Lord shall not impute sin. Now let's just stop right there. Blessing and blessedness comes up. Remember, when the Lord first came to Abram, he was living in Ur of the Chaldees, what is now present-day Baghdad, he in Iraq. He was not necessarily a seeker after God, but here comes the living God. And remember that Abraham came from a uh, pagan family. They were moon worshipers. And God is unilaterally blessing Abraham with a sevenfold blessing. Abraham received the blessing of God because God just loved him that much and blessed him. And notice here in verse 6 where it talks about David prophesying through the Spirit the blessedness. That's the blessed condition. This refers to somebody who is richly blessed. The Amplified in um, amplifying and bringing greater uh, understanding of the nuances of the Greek for blessed Uh, defines it as blessed and happy and to be envied. How's that? Yep, that's our God. He is a blessing God. And who does he bless? Who receives the blessedness? That's exactly the point of what's coming out here. Just as David also describes, verse 6, the blessedness of the man to whom God imputes righteousness apart from works. Now, I want to stop right there because the word imputes has come up. And what that word means is it's credited. You know, have you, you've had situations in your finances where you have had an account and someone has credited your account. That means that uh, you have received um, an amount going into the account, so the account has gone up. Well, in our account of righteousness, God imputes the righteousness of Christ. 
This is something that happens in the mind of God. God the Father looks to his Son, whom he has sent to achieve and accomplish all in righteousness, and says, my Son and his righteousness is infinitely more than enough. And so God imputes righteousness to us. This is also keys into the idea of justification we were talking about last time, where the one who is just, the Lord Jesus Christ, is the justifier, the one who makes us, gives us that same just standing. God imputes righteousness, and it says right here, apart from works. And in fact, you see blessedness that is given. Blessed are those whose lawless deeds are forgiven and whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man to whom the Lord shall not impute sin. So what happens with the person who is relying upon the righteousness of God, who says, yes, Father, I praise you and thank you for Jesus. He is the righteous one. He is the only righteous man and God, and he has done all for me. I receive that, and Lord, I thank you that his righteousness on my behalf is more than enough. And I thank you, Lord, that because of his righteousness, I am made righteous. I am counted as righteous. That's the righteousness of faith. Now it goes on in verse 9 about Abram, Abraham, and how God counted righteousness. And again, that idea of counting uh, is considering. It's, it's an accounting term, actually. It's the idea of somebody reckoning or reconciling books. You know, you have uh, your bank statement that comes once a month, and you go through that statement against your account, and you reconcile the books. You get them into line with one another. This is the idea of one's thinking coming into a particular line. God's thinking when it comes to righteousness is not our righteousness, but his own righteousness through Jesus Christ. Very, very important. He considers the one who relies upon God, looks to Jesus for righteous as being righteous. So put all this together. The blessing of God comes to the person that God himself imputes or counts as righteousness. That person's faith is accounted for righteousness. God looks to the righteousness of faith and not works when it comes to blessing someone. We tend to think just the opposite. Well, have I prayed enough? Have I read my Bible enough? Have I gone to church enough? Have I fed the poor enough? Have I been righteous enough? Have I not sinned enough? No. God looks to the righteousness of faith. And what did we see? Everything that's based on this whole thing is over in uh, Romans chapter 3, beginning in verse 21. But now the righteousness of God, apart from the law, is revealed, being witnessed by the law and the prophets. Even the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ to all and on all who believe. 
There it is right there. It isn't just simply faith, but it's faith in Jesus Christ. God the Father is the giver of all that is good. That's grace. And we receive that grace through faith in another person, the Lord Jesus Christ. Not faith in ourself or our righteousness or even faith in our pastor or some holy man. It's faith in the man, the Son of Man, the Son of God, the Lord Jesus Christ. So when we're talking about the righteousness of faith, let's not forget the foundation of this, which we see here in Romans chapter 3, verse 21. And what is Hebrews chapter 1 all the way through chapter 10 about? Right. It's about Jesus and his righteousness and his righteous life, righteous sacrifice, giving of all. That's the righteousness of faith. It looks to Jesus for righteousness. And it says there later on in uh, Romans chapter 3, where is boasting then? It is excluded. Romans 3.27, it is excluded by what law of works? No, but by the law of faith. Well, let's go back to where we were there in uh, Romans 4.9, talking about the blessedness uh, that is received. It's blessedness because of God imputing righteousness to us apart from works, the blessedness of the righteousness of faith. Verse 9, does this blessedness then come upon the circumcised? Speaking of the Jew, and the idea of circumcision was a covenant that God had made with his people, a covenant he actually made with Abraham and to his descendants, the Jews. They're known as the circumcised. Uh, does this blessedness then come upon the circumcised only and or upon the uncircumcised, that's the non-Jew, the Gentile also? For we see say that faith was accounted to Abraham for righteousness. Now listen very carefully to this. How then was it accounted? while Abraham was circumcised or uncircumcised. So we see a little history lesson here. How, was it, how then was it accounted? Verse 10, while he was circumcised or uncircumcised, not while circumcised, but while uncircumcised. And he received the sign of circumcision, a seal of the righteousness of the faith, which he had while still uncircumcised, still a Gentile and not a Jew, that he might be the father of all those who believe, though they are uncircumcised Gentile, that righteousness might also be imputed to them also. And the father of circumcision to those not only who are of the uh, circumcision, the Jew, but who also walk in the steps of the faith, which our father Abraham had while still uncircumcised. This is really powerful stuff. The righteousness of God by faith. I want to back up a little bit into Romans one seventeen. Well, one sixteen says of the gospel, I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the uh, salvation of everyone who believes, first for the Jew, then for the Gentile. Verse 17 says this, for in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith 
to faith. As it is written, the just shall live by faith. So at the epicenter of the gospel is a revelation of the righteousness of God, the righteousness which is not from God, but the righteousness of God, part and parcel of his person. And how do you receive it? By faith. How did Abraham receive that righteousness of God? By faith. How do Jews rightly receive the righteousness of God? Not by works, not by the law, but by faith. How does the Gentile receive the righteousness of God? Same way, by faith. And so we see that God is bringing into his family, into his fold, both the Jew and the Gentile through the same avenue of faith in Christ. You know, I was thinking about things, um, the book of Hebrews The book of Hebrews is the gospel established. The basis of the gospel can be seen not in the book of Romans, but in the book of Hebrews, all about that perfect Jesus and his perfect finished work saying it is finished. The book of Romans is the gospel proclaimed and the book of Galatians is the gospel defended. Let me say that again. The book of Hebrews is the gospel established. The book of Romans is the gospel proclaimed. And the book of Galatians is the gospel defended. The whole basis of the gospel is the righteousness of God himself. And that righteousness is given to us through faith in Christ the perfect son of man and the perfect son of God. It is by faith and not by works. Very key for us to understand. And this righteousness of faith is how we enter into the blessedness of God. Someone once said, uh, this is how we're made blessable by God. And it's not because our faith is so wonderful and therefore, you know, we're blessable. No, God is that wonderful. He's that loving. He's that giving. That's what grace is all about. And God can righteously bless an ungodly person through faith. Let me say that again. God can and does bless an ungodly person through faith. You go, whoa, hold on a second, Mark. Where did you get that from? Well, it's right where we read it in Romans chapter 4, verse 5. It says, but to him who does not work, but believes on him, Jesus, who justifies the ungodly, his faith is accounted for righteousness. Remember what it says there in Romans chapter 1, verse 18. It says, For the wrath of God is revealed against the unrighteousness of men, the unrighteousness and ungodliness of men who suppress the truth in unrighteousness. So the great dilemma, the great problem is the wrath of a good God evoked against a reckless human race that is ungodly and unrighteous and suppresses the truth in unrighteousness. That's the problem. Here's the solution. Romans 4, 5, God himself, I'm sorry, 
It says, but to him who does not work, but believes on him who justifies the ungodly, his faith is accounted for righteousness. Well, we're going to wrap it up here today. And I am aware of the fact that for some of you, this is sort of pushing into new ground. You've been confronted with the truth of the scripture and some of what you've believed you found out was wrong because you conditioned the blessing of God upon your righteousness, your righteous attitudes, your righteous behavior. And you can see right here, that is the exact opposite of how God blesses because we can never be righteous or godly enough. Plus, remember the key principle Romans 11.36, for of him and through him and to him are all things. So if God is not the source, if he is not the means, if he is not the end, then he's not glorified. But if he is recognized as he is the source, the means, the great end, his glory is maximized. We are made blessable. We are given this state of blessedness through faith in the righteousness of another person altogether, the Lord Jesus Christ. And it's important for us here, now that the word of God has been planted, the truth of the scripture, to turn in prayer to the Holy Spirit, who is the one who breathed the scripture. He is the one who inspired the word of God and as we see in different parts of the epistles, he is the one who brings us illumination, revelation, and understanding. Let's pray. Father, we realize here that we are on holy ground. Because as it says in Romans 3, there's none who's righteous, none who does good, none who seek after God. And Father, we recognize that righteousness is of you alone. Lord, you are the only one who is altogether good. And as it says in James 1.17, every good and perfect gift is from above, from the Father of lights, in whom there is no shadow or variation of change. You are the one who is the source of you. You are the one who is the means through you. You are the great end of all things to you. To you belongs the glory. Father, I pray that you by the Holy Spirit would turn the light on. The supernatural revealing and illuminating light of the scripture. Lord, we humbly recognize that our minds, our human brains are so teeny and so small. There's no way we can grasp this on our own. And Father, you never meant for us to grasp this on our own with our own puny human understanding and perception. Lord, I thank you that you graciously give the Holy Spirit and the eyes of the believer's heart are already enlightened. Now, Lord, bring seeing, spiritual seeing, so that we may see Christ more fully as the one who is our righteousness, 
the one who said, Father, I have come to do your will. And by that will, we have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. Thank you, Father, for the gift of righteousness that we receive through faith in your dear Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you, Lord, that we're counted as righteous as he is through his righteousness, through faith and dependence upon him. We give you the praise and the glory in Jesus' name. Amen.